what it is, what's up, and welcome everyone to Faces and Feels. I am your host, Rafe Houston, and today I am joined by a very special guest, once known as the Tasmanian Titan. It is the mean man himself, Aaron O'Malley. How are you today, sir? I'm doing pretty good, actually. It's a nice, sunny day here in Tassie, which is unusual. Exactly. So, the, yeah. My first guest I've ever spoken to from Tasmania. Oh, wow. uh, and I know you've been all around the world recently, so yes. I'm super excited uh, to hear of your adventures because uh, you've been up to a lot since I last saw you mere doors from my own house, yes, <laughs> in that, that out. So that, yeah. which was crazy. So, dude, I want to thank you so much. You were like such a um, big part of the Perth scene for quite a while. I remember seeing your face on posters so many times, uh, and I'm really excited to work with you coming up with everything we're going to do with Dude, Where's My Ring? Yeah, but I won't bury yeah. the lead. We won't get into everything too early, and we'll just start way back at the start. So when you think back to how you first got into professional wrestling, what were some of the first faces that stood out to you, bud? Right, so I'm I'm obviously, oh, well, I'm in my mid-30s now, so I sort of grew up, like got interested in wrestling like around the late 90s, so the Attitude Era and stuff. And um, I was like, I was living in Karatha, so I didn't have access to Foxtel and stuff back then. Like, I don't think they had Foxtel available in Karatha <laughs> at that stage. Yeah. It, it just started to become available in the early 2000s. So um, it was literally just videotapes from the, the local video shop, you know, and a friend of mine started, like, he was big into Stone Cold and started bringing over tapes of WWF and... I never, to be honest, I wasn't into Stone Cold so much, but but there were faces like Mick Foley and later on like Chris Jericho. A lot of the smaller guys like the Cruiserweights and stuff really interested me. Um, but I just I was just always a big fan of the underdogs, you know? Yeah. Like, there's the ones who more sort of inspired me more, whereas Stone Cold was just sort of like this unbeatable, like, well, you know, unstoppable, like, uh, force who just yeah. tear through everyone, which is what the crowd wanted. But yeah. For me, who was just starting to get into wrestling, I preferred someone who was a bit more like it felt like they they earned it a little bit more. Yeah, yeah, you know, like and that was a big thing with Mick Foley. He didn't like look; he just looked like a normal person. You know, he wasn't ripped. Mm -hmm. He was kind of overweight. He was broken down, especially towards the end. So he just sort of really stood out to me. Yeah, it's it's funny, right? Like everybody, you know, always wants a guy to win a title and all those kinds of things. But what yeah. makes wrestling really special to me is the people who don't. And then when they eventually get to that moment, it's all the more powerful. And that's what everybody yeah. always references to, like that time when mankind, you know, like that is sort of the stuff that makes us special. And the, the other thing that always, you, you bring up those kind of underdog characters and those smaller guys, it's a real reoccurring theme on this podcast, you know, like I think this is going to be like episode 128 or whatever. Mm. Um, and I've spoken to a lot of people over over that time. Um, and everybody always kind of says that. And I wonder how wrestling used to appeal to people when it was the land of the giants and only these big fucking massive jack dudes because it feels like most of the people that are wrestlers now never related to any of those people. So it wasn't until you started getting like your, your Shawn Michaels and your Mick Foley's yeah. and, and stuff like that that people were like, oh, maybe I could do this now. I hear that over and over again, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that definitely. Like, um, you know, that... The, the massive, like, jacked-up guys, I get that they're supposed to be larger than life and everything like that, but it always did feel like I was looking at almost like a cartoon character as opposed to an actual human being. Yeah. So, mm -hmm. yeah, I think it's the more realistic sort of down-to-earth people. I suppose 
when you think about it, though, that a Mick Foley sort of stands out more when he's like surrounded by people who are jacked and massive. You absolutely, know? Like, absolutely. Whereas if it's just if it's him with a bunch of people who also look like Mick Foley, it probably wouldn't. <laughs> he, he wouldn't be as noticeable. You yeah, know? and it doesn't look professional at all. You're like, this is a fucking no. shit show over here. This is just some indie like in the backwaters of somewhere where you're like nobody has their shit together. So you kind of need those you know peaks and valleys and characters and different shapes and sizes, right? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So uh, so you're living in Karatha. Um, and you and you you're renting videotapes and stuff like we all were in Australia. How we the only way any of us could really get into it. Yeah. How did you find training then? Because right. I assume it wasn't in Karatha. <laughs> no, definitely yeah, not. Yeah. No, I didn't even know wrestling in Australia was a thing back then. You know, mm-hmm. and I did have like dreams of becoming a wrestler, but mm-hmm. the fact that I lived in the middle of nowhere just sort of like. I, I just figured that it was never going to happen, you know? And Sorry. it's one of those things that I just, I put off for a long time. I think um, after the, the deaths of, um, of like Benoit and, and Eddie Guerrero, I think that sort of like really s- slowed down my love of wrestling a yeah. lot. And I, okay. I kept, I sort of kept an eye on it, but I wasn't close following it closely mm-hmm. until like after I'd moved down to Perth, I think maybe like, 2010 i went to a couple of shows and stuff but it never really occurred to me to start training you know i was like ah you know all these guys they're probably only going to stay local and stuff like is it really worth like putting in all that time and effort Mm -hmm. but then i I spent you know my early years trying to sort of searching around trying to figure out what i was going to do with my life Mm -hmm. and i think um well basically My wife was taking care of of Mana, of Nick, in the hospital um, because she's a nurse. Uh And she just came home to me one day. It's like, oh, I'm taking care of this wrestler who's who's got his own company and stuff. I know you're you're still big into wrestling, aren't you? And I was like, yeah. And I was just like, in the moment, I was just kind of thinking like, I know where a training school is now. I I know I've got the ability to actually make a star in this if I wanted to. Should I at least give it a shot? And, you know, I, I sort of dipped my toe in and stuff and came down just, you know, once a week and, you know, was sort of half committed and stuff and then started going more and more and getting into it more and more. I don't think I'd like, I didn't take to it naturally, you know, mm-hmm. um, but I think I'm just very persistent mm-hmm. and um, stubborn. So <laughs> I just sort of stuck with it yeah. and proved myself by force, yeah. you know, so... But yeah, I, I really got into it. I, um, yeah, the training back then it was all it was very like up and down in terms of, of quality. You know, like it's a lot more consistent nowadays at New sure. Horizons. Mm-hmm. Um, but back then, you know, like Mana was sick all the time. You know, um, yeah. so it we always got different trainers in and stuff. But eventually, over time, it became more consistent. And you know, as I grew more experienced and was sort of helping out training and stuff like that we just sort of started to you know solidify like a training schedule and stuff and make things a bit better and you know we shift locations a few times and progressively got better locations and it all sort of ended up working out yeah i i think the moment where i really recognized wrestling was probably something i could pursue was when i went to america Mm -hmm. just just like just for a couple of weeks Mm -hmm. it was um me and uh, and Martel Parche, who's over uh, training at EPW now, mm-hmm. and we just like we went over there for a couple of weeks and we 
sort of had drilled into our heads that, you know, all Australians don't have prime many matches, you know, they're, they're pretty average as wrestlers. That's where all the, the trainers over there were saying. Mm-hmm. Then we actually had a match on a show and we were probably one of the top two matches on the card, you know, and it was yeah. sort of like, okay, no, we're actually pretty good at this and we should actually have a bit of pride in ourselves and yeah. stuff and, you know. Sure. And I think that sort of like pushed me on to, to, to pursue it more because I, I kind of realized that, no, actually like our style of training and our, and our um, you know, our approach to, to matches and stuff actually really works. Yeah. And we're able to get over in front of a crowd that had never seen us before. So, sure. yeah, I, I think that sort of like, like stirred me on to start yeah. taking it seriously and actually thinking of, you know, pursuing wrestling around the world. Sure. And like the, it's like where it becomes reachable, I guess, when it goes from mm-hmm. being something on the screen and stuff, you, you've gone there, you've taken yourself out of your comfort zone and you've stood there and you're like, I've seen what these guys are doing and I can do that too. So there's no kind of reason that if I don't continue to put in the work and keep forging forward that I can't get further. I, ha- I had the same sort of thing with um, when we formed our band way back in the day, you know, yeah. like uh, I had not grown up around music. I had not been around it. Nobody in my family's musical. My friends were, oh, we should start some kind of thing. I hadn't even really played much bass. I had only just started. And we went to like a local show for the first time. And I remember watching these guys on the stage. And they were like, fine. They're just like a local band. And I was like, I could do what they're doing. Like surely if I just practice the songs and I just know what to play, then I could do that too, right? And then, you know, we go on and we do that for 10 years and it's touring and it's albums and it's all these things. And I was like, all I had to do was just do the work and do the things and then I did the thing, you know? And, And it kind of breaks down that that magic a little bit for you where it's just like, and then the rest is opportunities and contacts and all that. But, yeah, yeah, but, yeah. but like to do the thing, you can do the thing if you just do it, you know? <laughs> and so, yeah. so you, you found yourself in that position. Tell me a little bit about Mana because he's a pretty amazing figure. Um, I sort of first heard the name um, Aaron Hanare from uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling. He's a friend of mine we met in Japan. Hasn't been mm. on my show yet, but we talk and stuff. And he came over here and wrestled with New Horizon. Yes, uh, and I wrestled him in a triple threat. There you go. I was there. <laughs> and um, and I went there to see him and stuff, blah, 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 blah. blah. And he, when I was asking about why he did the show, he said, I did it because it's Mana's company. And I was like, who is Mana? And he started telling me, he's like, he's amazing. He did this. Like, he really, really respects him. And a lot of the wrestlers that come over and have – like and do work with New Horizon is just because they respect Mana so much and they want to work mm. with him and things like that. So, do you mind telling me, uh, me and the listeners a little bit about his history and what he is as sort of a figure in wrestling? Yeah. Um, so he started training over in uh, over in the US. Like he'd obviously been a fan of wrestling growing up in, in New Zealand and stuff like that, and sort of you know lived around the world, tried different jobs, like moved to Australia and stuff, and then. Um, in order to pursue his sort of passion, he, he actually moved to the U.S. and trained with the Wild Samoans. Mm-hmm. So that's his sort of legacy. He, he was training with them, like, because obviously they, they're the ones who, you know, that they, they have that, that sort of, like, similar um, uh, Polynesian background, sure. you know, and, and yeah. So that they, they were inspirations for him growing up, so he wanted to train with them. So, and he was on, you know, in the early 2000s, he was over there for, like the Pennsylvania area for like Chikara mm-hmm. and uh, WXW and a couple of other f- feds around there. And um, yeah, he was just like a mainstay of that this sort of scene for, for a few years before he 
he moved back down over down here to Australia. So, um, yeah, but like, obviously he, he made a ton of long term time friends over there. Like a lot of the big names in the early two thousands that were starting, you know, like the, there's a reason why he brought over guys like, uh, like Jay lethal and low key and stuff like that. It's because he was good friends with them, you know, mm-hmm. from those days of, of working the Indies. And that's back when they, they were probably only a few years in too. So, you yeah, know, sure. mm-hmm. yeah, but, um, he just like obviously trained over there with the wild Samoans until he got sort of homesick and mm-hmm. realized he wasn't, I don't think he was making a ton of money over there. Yeah. So, he was, <laughs> you know, the, being an indie wrestler in the U S is the uh, easiest way to make money, but, yeah. but yeah. Absolutely. And then, yeah, he comes back and he starts new horizon and it has, like you said, it started from humble beginnings and has become, mm-hmm. you know, one of the more established. I mean, there's only a couple here in Perth, like one of the more established yeah. and like the setup they have is like really professional and, and like a really good, good kind of uh, setup. And we, a lot of like the international talents that come here tend to be wrestling for New Horizon for that reason, you know, yeah. so, you know, they're friends with him or respect him or whatever it may yeah. be. And they, they want to be involved. So that's pretty amazing. And I'm sure it was sort of, eye-opening for you like to kind of sit under his learning tree a little bit and pick his brain and sort of hear his stories and all that kind of stuff right absolutely yeah no he's got he's got so many great stories from that that time over there you know especially like you know work working alongside like a young umaga and stuff like that you know like it's just yeah it's it's no it's it's just one of those things where it's just it's 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 cool to have him there as a teacher because he's got such a different way of looking sure. at wrestling from from yeah. most people on the scene, you know. Absolutely, like not Australian based, like because he's yeah. lived it and been a part of that, which is, is yeah. crazy. Um, so we took we talked about that I had uh, uh, seen you wrestle recently. Um, well, uh, your last match in Perth. Obviously, you went on, you did the New Horizon stuff. You you were a very big part of the Perth scene for a while, and then you move to the UK, but it was just before all the pandemic stuff happened, like literally before the, the world ended. Tell me a little bit what it like, because I was there, it was like kind of a hero's exit. You're the, you know, the yeah. hero of New Horizons and going on to co- conquer England and then the world stops. So were you moving there specifically for wrestling, for, for training, or was there other opportunities and you were going to, or what, what was the, the scenario? So... That wasn't the first time I'd actually moved to the UK. Okay. Um, well, I, so I was there. I, it's sort of a bit, it's a bit of a story, but basically um, I initially moved to Malaysia in 2018 okay. with this new startup wrestling company called Asia Wrestling Entertainment. Cool. Um, long story short, it was run by a complete carny. who didn't know what he was doing with his money. Yeah. Um, we very quickly found out that, that things, it had like this amazing production value, like an amazing roster of wrestlers and stuff. But um, it was very obvious very quickly that the money wasn't there and he was just sort of bluffing his way through things. So after a while we just sort of left and, you know, I quit my job to do that. And I was sort of like, well, what do I do now? Do I go back to, to being a draftsman full time or do I actually try and, do something else in the world of wrestling. Yeah. And that's when in 2018 I moved over there for, for five months to, um, to just to work on the, the, the um, holiday parks and stuff over there with WAW because um, Saraya and I, uh, Julia, she, she come down here and done trains with us like eight, she 
been visiting now for eight years, you know. Yeah, so. I was going to say, I feel like she was here not even that long ago. Like, uh, she's kind yeah. of known for coming I mean, she back was, and forward, yeah. Yeah, she's been back and forward, you know, every year for years now, you know. I think I only skipped one year because of COVID, so. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, yeah, no, she uh, – so, obviously, I had her as a connection and I asked her if I could go over there and, and wrestle for them and stuff, and she helped sort of give me accommodation and stuff, and I helped her out the – work in the camps and stuff, did a lot of van driving, which is terrifying to me. <laughs> I, I hate driving on yeah. British roads and it's even worse with a big ass van with a ring in the back of it. So, mm-hmm. um, but you know, I, I made a lot of friends over there, really enjoyed the experience, came back home. was like, well, what do I do now? And my wife says, well, why don't we actually just properly move over there for a few years? You know, like she was a nurse. Mm-hmm. Well, she is a nurse. Mm-hmm. And um, she was like, I can get a visa. You can come over on a partner visa and we'll actually live there for three years, for, you know, two, three years. Yeah. So, you know, we did a whole year of planning. I, I'm, I'm working other places. Um, you know, I'm working a full-time job to save up money and everything and have all this set out, like this sort of like step-by-step plan. Get there. There's already rumblings of COVID spreading and everything, yeah. but we're all sort of hoping that it's not going to be as bad as what we hope. And then... I get through the door. Julia's there. She says, oh, thank God, Aaron, you're here. I, we need someone driving on the camps. We need someone to be like team captain, you know, like help set up. You've done all this before, so we trust you. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to need you full time at least for the next couple of weeks. And I was like, cool, awesome. Can't wait. Yeah, let's go. And within three or four days, just everything was cancelled, everything. Mm-hmm. Uh so I, I found myself, I caught up with a few people and then I found myself sort of locked in my apartment, you know, wife's going to work and I'm just sort of there by myself, just like, what am I doing? What have we done? And not only yeah. have you moved across the world, like given up everything here, relocated to a country that's now locking down due to this pandemic, your yeah. wife now has to go to work and fight this pandemic every single day. It's like, let's go to the heart of it. Like, <laughs> oh, bro, it would have been terrifying. Yeah. And she's working for, you know, the, one of the biggest hospitals in Norfolk. So it's like just, it's insane because, like, she didn't even get her, like, um, I forget what it's called, like, but there's like the bridging course between the Australian licensed nurse sure. and, the, and a British sure. licensed nurse that she has to do. Yeah. She can't even do it. Yeah. You know, like it's scheduled for like March or something like that. Mm. And suddenly everything's cancelled, so she can't get it. So she's not even working as a fully qualified nurse for the first like like six months or something like that. Really? Like, and there's nothing they can yeah. really do about it because there's nothing there. No. They can't just go, just get in there. We need you. They're like, we just yeah. got to just help out like where you can sort of thing. Pretty much. Wow. So she she was just miserable about that. And obviously her patient load was massive because there were always, you know, it was spreading fast. So there was always sure. this constant influx of new patients who were COVID positive and stuff. So, it, yeah, it was just, it made her like, like, I, I always love Courtney for, for taking, like, helping me go over there and, you know, like, following my dreams as a wrestler. But I, I know that, like, specifically working as a nurse in an NHS, especially during COVID, really tough on her, oh, you know. Yeah, like, she just straight into the hell mouth, basically. Uh, like, fucking hell. Like, we initially had a two-year visa, mm-hmm. 
and we were looking like, oh, we're going to move back, we're going to stay, mm-hmm. and the the costs of flights and everything at that stage was just extraordinarily high. Yeah. So we we um we kind of decided we'll stay another year, but you know, it, it wasn't something that she was super happy about doing. No. Um, but yeah, so it was just one of those things where it's like, yeah, the, those fir- that first year I spent pretty much just in my apartment. Once we were allowed to start going out and traveling, we, we went out to different parts of the country just to, to parks and stuff like that where yeah. we were allowed to go. But try and see some stuff, try and yeah, just, enjoy just do it something. out of the house. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. But it, was, it wasn't a very fun experience. No. And what were you doing for work and stuff? Because you probably couldn't have done heaps of wrestling, I imagine, oh. slash any. Uh, yeah. and like, I know you work from home now, so were you able to pick up some – some work online and kind of work from the house or? Yeah. Um, for the most part, I, I, so I, I was lucky the job I got before I left was for a water tank company in Perth, based in Perth. Mm-hmm. And they started up a new company over in Indonesia. So, um, they just asked me, you know, can you like make a start and all the drafting work that we need to set up this company? So I was lucky that, that those first, after the first six months or so, I, I started picking up on that. I did like bits and pieces before that, just mm-hmm. like cleaning jobs and, and helping people like with scaffold work and stuff like that. Just like just odd anything. bits and pieces, yeah. you know, yeah, anything I could pretty much yeah. do to make a bit of money, you know? Yeah. So, wow. but actually getting to work from home, especially when uh, the pandemic was full swing was, was, was a bit of a, bit of a godsend, you know, yeah. kept me busy, kept my mind busy and, Stop me thinking about everything else going on, and yeah, the end of the yeah. world, and the fact that you're you're trapped on the on the you know the other side of the world. Yeah. Um, I I have some friends that like live in the UK, and she finally came back not that long ago, and she was telling us you know sort of her side of things and how it all went, and she said it was crazy, you know, yeah. like especially like in there, you know, living in Metro UK, um. and even like with like the vaccine rollouts, like how they did it all, and so she was like, no joke, there were there were places like chemists and stuff that would get given a certain amount of vaccines and you had to sign up or whatever to go. And she was like, they would have excess stuff and they would kind of put the call out kind of underground Facebook or whatever. Not saying we have extra vaccines, but if you were here, you could have one and people would just be lining up in the streets and they were just like against the law, just vaccinating people left and right and stuff like that just to like do something. You know what I mean? Because it was like that stressful and that hard for people to get sorted out. I remember, I think, I'm trying to think if it was in 2020 or 2021 where the government had this this amazingly bright idea to um, incentivize people to go out and uh, eat at restaurants and stuff like that. They they made it half price, I think. You got like a 50% rebate on on any like deals you purchase, something like that, something like that. It was just like, what? why would you do that? Why would you encourage so many people to visit restaurants to, uh, to sort of mingle in, in these enclosed spaces? <laughs> like surely like if you're going to, if you're going to like reimburse restaurant half its money, just like double their, their profits. You know what I mean? Like yeah. The, yeah. The yeah. Just, who does just the give them like, the, just give them the incentives because they can't be open and stuff like yeah. that. You know what I mean? Rather than, yeah. In, weird choice but i think the i mean <laughs> the british government were like you know what everybody's had a chance to get vaccinated let's just open it up who cares 
Pretty the much. worst of and it's then, happened. <laughs> it's like, oh, and no. then surprise, surprise, like a month later, like we went into a big lockdown again, you know? It's just like, Jesus. Why do we, what are we doing? What was the point of this? Yeah, it's crazy that you live through it, but it, it's absolutely crazy. And I'm sure, like, I remember how sort of scary the whole thing was here in Perth and we're the most isolated mm. city in the world. You know what I mean? So for you being there amongst it all and stuff like that, when you're like, I just came here to, to wrestle like for a year, like, you know, like yeah. a, it would have been pretty intense. Oh, there was, there was definitely a bit of jealousy seeing like Perth still being open when we were in the middle of shutdown. You yeah. Know what I mean? Like yeah, yeah. we were all locked up and I just see pictures of all my friends at the beach and putting on shows and yeah. going to work. Like everything's normal. It's like, I mean, obviously like eventually, you know, lockdown still had to happen, but, but, you know, there was that initial stage where it's just like, Bro, I've oh, been, yeah. Like I've been comparison. locked yeah. down for like two days total, I think, in the entire <laughs> of any of the COVID. Because like with my work, even because like, I, I manage a music store. And so even when it was like full lockdowns and stuff, people were still allowed to get like essentials and stuff. We were able to operate, but like in a really limited capacity. So it was like, you know, counter across the door. Nobody can kind of come in, but we can get stuff for people, you know, in masks and things yeah. like that. And then there were a couple of days when it was even shut but then I was in there packing online orders and stuff like that. So I've only yeah. really had a couple of days where I've ever truly been locked down. And it's utter bullshit. I'll tell you that because <laughs> I think I would have loved it and thrived in that situation. But uh, I know people had it like a lot harder than me, so I tend not to whine about it. Um, I, I started the podcast just, just as it was kind of cranking up thinking right. there'd maybe be a chance that I'd just be able to really dedicate some time to it, but that, that yeah. never happened. But I kept doing the podcast, but I was never just at home able to do it full-time. So now the it comes to the end of all that stuff. Everything opens back up in the UK. Mm. You do get to start wrestling in the UK. How does all that happen? Let's get past the dark, dreary times <laughs> of the Black Plague. And what what's it like when you can start to emerge from your cave and... And experience that scene i mean it was good like there was that initial sort of stage where i was talk going around talking to promotions promotions that like well a lot of them had shut for a start like it turns out that you know a whole year without any income and stuff like that and then speaking out hitting yeah. you know in the peak of it and everything and it's just like a lot of places just didn't want to run anymore yeah. so and i mean wwe um, had kind of picked the uk pretty clean as well like when yeah. they started NXT UK, they grabbed all like the top talent and stuff like that. So I'm sure that hurt places as well. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, no, it was just like, it was very trepidatious, I guess. It was a very slow sort of start and it took a while for things to get going. And um, I found initially it was sort of hard to like, um, oh, adorable, by the way. <laughs> Sorry, Monty um, running. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, I found it sort of hard to get out there and stuff, you know. But eventually, like 2022, which is sad because it was my last year there. Yeah, that's when things really started picking up. Yeah, and sure. I, I reckon, especially like maybe from May onwards, like that was probably one of my favorite year in wrestling. You yeah, know? wow. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I like. Um, uh, obviously, WAW really started going full steam then, and we were building towards Fightmare, which was like their their big like 1500. Um, person event that they ran um, and I was working for them like doing the, the holiday parks um, I don't know like you know when I talk about um, 
like camps and holiday yes. parks and stuff that I'm talking about. So yeah. we should we should illuminate it for people a little bit. I do. I've had a yeah. few wrestlers on who have done that kind of stuff. I had a great yeah. episode with uh, Big F and Joe from the UK. Right. Where, yes. Yeah, yeah. Do you know him? Have you met him? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He's yeah. great, isn't he? Right. Um, yeah. But but yeah, he, he told was on us the last show I did over there. Oh, great! Time. Yeah, awesome. He's a top dude. Uh, and he was telling me about, you know, uh, how it sort of all worked. But may, maybe for the listeners that aren't familiar, maybe just to kind of explain, because it's like a, a touring camp for wrestling, yeah? Like yeah. Uh, at a carnival sort of vibe. Kind of, yeah. So, um, like, the, the easiest way to explain it is that, um, like, lower, lower and middle class sort of families over there, mm-hmm. rather than going overseas or going to a fancy hotel or something like that, They'd, they'd all go to these holiday parks, which, like, it's all self-enclosed. Like, it's got its own entertainment complex. You know, it puts on, they put on shows. They've got, like, gambling area and a, a kid's, like, gaming area and stuff. And, you know, like, it's just an easy place for, for to families to go to to take their kids and they don't have to, like, keep a close eye on them yeah. and just to get a little chance to sort of get away from home, you know. Mm-hmm. And there's all different, like, for scales to this sort of thing like you get really small holiday parks you get massive complexes and Mm -hmm. you know um and like for decades now uh part of the whole holiday park thing has just been wrestling you know it's been one of the acts that that travels around you know you have live bands and like people who put on like magic acts and stuff for kids and stuff and you also have the wrestling Mm -hmm. so um when I got there in 2018, that 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 was the sort of main thing I was doing. You know, yeah. was just traveling around the country. You know, they they needed drivers, so I agreed to drive the van mm-hmm. to all these little tiny towns in the middle of nowhere. Mm-hmm. I had no idea which direction I was going. I just yeah. knew that I'm following the other driver, and we're going to get there, and we're going to set up a ring, and we're going to put on a show. You know, mm-hmm. so and it was like the way Joe explained it to me. He's like, because it is these one-off little spot shows, you can kind of just do anything. He said it was a really great way to learn because you learn to read the crowd and change it up and do different things. Like he, he'd rock up and he'd be like, you're a Mountie this year or whatever. And then he's doing (laughs) a shit Canadian accent. And one day he's the bad guy. The next day he's the good guy, you know, like just constantly thinking on your feet and just doing whatever. Cause it's just for kids. Like it doesn't really matter. There's no TV or an ongoing storyline. So he said it was like a really great way to just like, feel wrestling in the moment and react to the crowd and learn what they like and dislike and stuff like that. Oh, absolutely. I think it helped me grow tremendously as a wrestler, you know, like you wrestling multiple times a week, like sometimes up to 10 times, Mm -hmm. you know, um, and it's just literally, like you said, it's it's just in front of kids. So Mm -hmm. as long as you're betraying a really loud and sort of out there character, you know, either as a good guy or as a bad guy and sort of like going switching up the match based off their reactions, you know, yeah. and, and feeling what, what they're going for and playing off it. it. It it works really well, you know, and they're not, that's the thing, like it, you could do the craziest moves in the world. Kids aren't really going to care Doesn't anymore. really matter. You know? like, yeah. No. It's the story and like, the entertainment of it all. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen guys do like big 450 splashes and, and, you know, shooting star presses and stuff on, uh, on camp shows and, it gets the same reaction as a standing suplex. Yeah, you know? yeah. So it's sort of like, well, what? <laughs> why am I killing can, myself? <laughs> yeah, what, why yourself? Yeah. I remember a guy was doing like a, um, a whisper in the wind to me during a match, uh-huh. and he was like, oh, I normally just graze your shoulder. You know, it's fine. And I was like, this ring's stiff as hell. Don't, you don't have to do this. And he was like, no, I'm going to do it. And when he did do it, I tried to catch him and like 
you know, alleviate as much of the bump as possible. Yeah, so I was yeah. just like, it's not worth it. Yeah, it's not worth hurting yourself like doing this stuff and the kids would be like, it hits like a Hogan leg drop. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it doesn't matter. These kids aren't going to react any louder, you know. Yeah. Uh-huh. So, but yeah, I, I really do think it, it's, it's just a ton of fun, you know, like you're there with the group of buddies and they're all just sort of out there to have fun and mm-hmm. the crowd for the most part the crowds are up for pretty much anything so you know you just be as loud and out there as possible and try and get over some basic storylines and mm-hmm. i mean it's the same thing every time you know the yeah. bays are gonna they might win one match but ultimately they're gonna lose in the end so yeah. mm-hmm. you know you don't know what he's like trying to protect their spot or anything like that it's <laughs> yeah, like, yeah i need to look strong <laughs> yeah <laughs> like because because the kids aren't going to care. So, you know, people who are undefeated, you know, in, in their home promotion or whatever are just going to – doesn't matter what they do on these little camp shows, you know. No one's recording it or anything. It's yeah. just – it's all just for fun, you know. And, mm-hmm. and yeah, but it it definitely I, – I, I think it helped me grow a lot yeah. as a wrestler. Did you do any and ridiculous characters? That, that, yeah. I, I To be honest, I was always just the Australian. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I rode my kangaroo here and now. <laughs> no, um, we were in Breen earlier this year, uh, earlier last year. Yeah. And um, a friend of mine, like, called me up and was like, I'm in this corner shop. I've got a traditional Aussie hat. Do you want it? And I was like, no, don't worry about it, man. Like, just, it's silly. Like, I'm not going to wear it. And he brings it to me. And I'm just like, well, I have to now. I have to start wearing this on What's every show. What's a traditional Aussie hat? Are we talking like, like an Akubra? Um, yeah, yeah, but we were talking like the budget um, things version of, a, of an Akubra, not like a yeah, not you know, legit. That's like expensive. a very ch- clearly cheaply made one. Yeah, but did it have the corks? But, <laughs> no, it didn't have corks on it. They didn't sure. go to that extent. You know, corks yeah. uh, corks are way too expensive. Yeah, yeah, you can uh, drink a lot of wine to get through get that many corks. <laughs> But um, but I did end up wearing it just because you know it added to the character and stuff like that. I actually bought a a vest, a Paul Hogan style vest. <laughs> yeah, like a crocodile um, Dundee from, style. Yep. So the last few shows, I ended up wearing that just just cause why not? Yeah, yeah. Just go out there and have fun. Yeah, you know exactly. And then did you ship that to Clark Connors? That's what he's been wearing in New Japan lately. Like. <laughs> <laughs> no, that I, I, I can't say. <laughs> Anyway, uh, th- that's so fun though. But yeah, it, that always sounded amazing to me. And whenever I've heard people tell of those stories, it always just sounds like you know so much fun and, and so much learning experience. So when when it came time to come back, did you consider staying? Was it picking up to that point, or was it now time to be like, my wife has been through enough. Fucking, we just need to go home to family and be back in Australia. Like, <laughs> oh yeah, like if. If it was my choice, I, I would have stayed there for like another year or two, you know. But yeah. I just knew, like I said, I was there on my wife's visa and she was done with it and I wasn't going to push her to like stick around another year of yes. being miserable. You know yeah. what I mean? I was just like, it's yeah. okay. Let, let's move back to Australia and we'll go from there. Yeah. You know, like. Absolutely. So, um, so she, you know, she made the move over. I made the, the move a few weeks later, just like shortly before my visa ran out basically. Yeah. Okay. I think that was a big thing for me is that I didn't want to overstay it and have someone look at it later and be like, you overstayed your visa the last time yeah. you were here. Banned for like, life. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. So No good. 
so yeah, I, I, I pretty much stayed up up to the limit though, you know. I left a couple of days before it ran out. Yeah. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um but yeah, I, I um I am planning on going back over the summer and I've told quite a few people of my intentions too, but it's just a matter of, you know, finances and all that and but hopefully, you know, we can make it all work and I can go over there for the, the holiday park, like the, the summer season yeah, again, yeah. you know. Exactly, and just do it again. It sounds yeah. so fun, dude. Like it, it oh, would be oh, it really is. Like, don't forget me wrong. Um, so some of those holiday parks are pretty dire. <laughs> um, it sounds like you it. know, yeah. It's 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 uh, up and down in terms of quality, and you know, you get some different crowds. Yeah. I'll I'll be charitable and say that, mm-hmm. but uh, but overall, it was still a really fun experience. You know, yeah. Now that, that's and awesome. Yeah. Yo, let me stop you right there. I just need to holler at everybody and tell them about NordVPN. This service has been a bit of a game changer for me, man. Not only are they one of the first services, you know, to believe in me and to believe in this podcast, which is pretty amazing, but it's also been great to like pick up my internet access and throw it around the world. I've been able to access all the streaming services. I've been able to check out different shopping sites. It's keeping me safe and sound on the internet and protecting all of my important data. It's been pretty damn awesome. So if you want to give it a chance for yourself, if you want to try it out, if you want to get amongst the glory that is NordVPN, just go to nordvpn.com feels and use the code feels to get up to 70% off your NordVPN plan and at one additional month for free. Uh, it's also risk-free with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, which is pretty sweet. So, yeah, nordvpn.com slash feels and use the code feels. Now, let's get back to the interview. Obviously, like you were doing some extra training and stuff. I know that with everything that we're about to talk about with the show here, you're going to be bringing a bit more of an interesting style of match. Did you have a have a chance to really uh, do some, like, more, I guess, kind of intense British wrestling kind of training, you know, world of sports style, that kind of stuff? Well, um, WAW, the the interesting thing about them, right, is that they were formed by um, Ricky Knight and Jimmy Ocean. And Jimmy Ocean was a world of sport wrestler. Right. So so he actually, like, and they imported, I mean, they they started in the early 90s, so they might have still... Every company might have been still working the British style. I'm not sure, but yeah. they've kept the, the British rules throughout mm-hmm. their their entire existence. So, whereas every like most in smaller companies, well, pretty much every size company in the UK, like there's only a few that still adhere to the British rules. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I, I I've sort of become acclimated to it over the years. You know, like um, I'm just used to. I'm not allowed to to hit a downed opponent and stuff like that. I have to let them get to their feet. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's public warnings instead of rope, um, instead of like a five count mm-hmm. for rope breaks and stuff like that. So it's all just like stuff that I've had to sort of memorize and get into the habit of, yeah. of noticing. So um, when I got there in, in 2018, uh, I remember one of their um, one of the first shows I did. It was a bigger show in front of a, um, a big crowd. Like, it was where they actually filmed the World of Sport remake and stuff. Um, that was – I had a match against Jimmy Ocean there. Wow. And that was, like, rounds-based. Yeah. And I was just sort of told on the day, it's like, 
you got a technical wrestling, go in there and have a match with Jimmy Ocean. And he's not going to plan anything. You're going to know, like, wow, the finishes, and that's it. And yeah. I was like, okay. So I just, you know, sold and reacted, yeah. you know? Uh-huh. So, but we made it work. Yeah. We made that, it work. That's crazy, then, uh, like, getting an opportunity to do that with somebody, you know, that has that kind of history and stuff, you yeah. know, that was on those shows and stuff to, to get in there and stuff. It must have been a learning experience for sure. Oh, Oh, absolutely. I, I got to wrestle like a few guys from that, that era of, yeah. of wrestling, you know, like uh, Steve Quintain and, and also Ricky Knight, um, yeah. obviously, like, you know, so I, I got used to the, the style and the, and the way that they tell the stories and stuff. And obviously, like, on top of that, you know, I've done a ton of my own, like, just watching old world of sports stuff because it is like it's a fascinating approach to wrestling that, that no one around here really does. Yeah. And a lot of the moves and stuff have sort of been forgotten and, you know, with time, but like it's, it's fun to bring them back because a lot of people just don't, don't do them anymore, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. It's like what, what's old is new again uh, yeah. when applied in new ways. And it is going to be interesting applying them in new ways because you're bringing this kind of match type to a no ring bar show. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so how did, how did you get involved with Dude Where's My Ring? Because uh, I'm I'm part of the group chat. Michelle had a kind of approached me about it, you know, a few weeks ago now. It doesn't seem that long ago now. Yeah. And then suddenly it's like, oh, welcome Aaron to the group. He's going to be doing this. And I was like, Aaron O'Malley's back in Australia and he's yeah. going to be doing this in a bar. What is happening? I know. Um Literally, M- Michelle just messaged me out of nowhere when I said I was coming back, and she just said, "Would you be interested in doing this show?" Mm-hmm. And I was like, I- "I'm kind of interested, but wh- what am I going to be doing, and and yeah. who's involved and stuff like that?" Yeah. You know, I just just like finer details I want to know first. Sure. And then she told she told me who was involved, and I was like, "Hell yeah!" And then I was like, well, "What would I be doing?" Because I'm not a deathmatch guy, and she was just like, "No, I literally want to put you in a technical match with with uh, with." Um, the great George and I was just like oh okay yeah let's do that, that that's perfect that's it's the style I'm used to and I was like well if we're going to do that let's just let's just go the whole hog let's yeah. say uh, Admiral Lord Mount Evans uh, rep, you know rules like like traditional British style like let's let's go all out you yeah. know so um, yeah that, that that's that's my planned approach to this match is to go the full full hog like have have round have timed rounds. We'll do three minute rounds. Um, you know, we'll do the um, or you know all the, bait, the all the standard stuff like public warnings and not t- not hitting a down opponent and um, just just all that stuff. You know, like no no close fists and all that. Like just we'll keep it traditional style and yeah. we'll make something. Very different to the rest of the card. I yeah, think. I think so. Yeah. It's going to be interesting yeah. to see how like the audience takes something like that, and what sort of as the match takes shape, what sort of spin you know you take on it. You know what I mean? Because it's going to be a very different, uh, very different location, different vibe. A lot of people that have never seen anything like this before. So it's it's going to be super interesting to see how it plans out. I I'm yeah. like really excited because it's it offers something completely different that's on the card. It's wild. <laughs> well, that's the thing, you know. Variety is the spice of life, it and is. hopefully, we can put on something that's very entertaining yeah. for the crowd. Like I said, I, I you know, I'm I'm technically proficient and all that, but I'm also used to working the holiday parks and stuff. Yes, so I'm good at I'm, reading the room. Yeah, I'm not going to um, 
just grapple nonstop for 15 minutes, I think we'll, we'll, we'll put on something very entertaining. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I'm stoked, man. I can't wait to see it. Um, is, is there any uh, last things that you need to tell anybody to be prepared for for Dude, Where's My Ring or anything else that you've got coming up? Um, I mean, honestly, uh, I, I don't know. I, it's, it's a tough one. Like, um, yeah, just just be prepared for something a bit different, I guess. Uh, dude, where's my ring? Because yeah, I do think we'll we'll uh, you know people might think oh it's going to be stuffy old school British stuff, but no, I think you'll find we'll, we'll prompt something hard hitting and and you know really solid grappling and stuff like that. Yeah, and um, nothing's been announced uh, for the night before. Uh, New Horizons have a show the day before, mm-hmm. um, but you might see me there. Ooh. That's that's all I'm going to say. <laughs> okay, scoop skis. We'll see. Yes. There's no guarantees here, people. But you know, oh, I can't. <laughs> I can't make a guarantee. You know, nothing's been announced. So, yeah. well, well, that would be silly. Yeah, you exactly. Know, but just maybe. Yeah, maybe. maybe you, you never know. know. Just, just, he has been. If you happen yet. to buy a ticket to see me. You know, you might be pleasantly surprised. Absolutely. And you, I think you'll be pleasantly surprised at Dude Where's My Ring. Make Absolutely. the effort, buy the thing, because one thing I can tell you is it's the only place you're going to see. What's the title of the match again? It's too long for me to remember off the top of my head. Um, ad, uh, oh, God. <laughs> so ridiculous. Uh, um, Admiral Lord Mount Evans. Uh, so basically British rules. Admiral Lord Mount Evans match on the floor of a bar after bands have played while people are drinking beer before a death match, basically. So it's going to be absolutely wild. Um, Tickets are selling really good from the way I Hmm. understand it. So don't sit on your hands. If you're thinking about coming, buy the ticket now. It'll save yourself five bucks, 25 bucks only. Check out all the info. The link will be in the show notes for everything that you need for Dude, Where's My Ring? Where do people find you online, Aaron? Oh, I'm very easy. I'm Mean Man O'Malley everywhere. All one word. Um, and that's Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. My email is meanmanomalley at gmail.com. You know what I mean? Like I've just I've kept it all the yeah, same. Exactly. Branded across the exactly. thing. Except for the only thing I'd say is you don't come off as a very mean man. You come off as a nice oh. man. So I want to thank you so much for your time, bud. <laughs> no worries, man. Thank you. <laughs> it's been so good getting to know you. Looking forward yeah. to meeting you in person. Uh, at the show and looking forward to meeting everybody when you come on down. So make sure you check out at Mean Man O'Malley online everywhere. Make sure you check out everything Dude Wears My Ring. I'll have all the links in the show notes. And for the Mean Man himself and for Dude Wears My Ring and for Faces and Feels, remember, it's all about peace, love and pro wrestling. Thanks for spending your time listening to the Faces and Feels podcast. Faces and Feels is a DIY project recorded and edited in-house by me, Rafe Houston. You can show your support by following us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Faces Feelscast, or just head straight to our link tree, linktr.e slash Feelscast to find all the info you'll ever need about the show. You can stream the episodes, be directed to your favorite podcast providers, find links to all our social media platforms and sponsors, and you can even buy me a coffee. If you have any questions, topic suggestions, or interview requests, you can send us an email to facesandfeels at gmail.com. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes and Spotify. A banger theme 
is Loose Lips Sink Ships by the Thunder Vipers. Check it out on Spotify. And now hang around for a quick word from some friends of the show. My body is a roadmap of pain. Oh! Deathmatchworldwide.com The official online merchandise store that is only for Deathmatch Wrestling. Featuring official t-shirts from No Peace Underground, John Wayne Murdoch, Akira, Madman Pondo, Zona 23, Neil Diamond Cutter, G. Raver, Schlack, Necro Butcher, and many more. If you are a Deathmatch Wrestling promotion, manager, or platform and are interested in joining the web store, send us an email to deathmatchworldwide at yahoo.com. Deathmatchworldwide.com for the violent view. Vinyls and Violence, a brand celebrating a love of music and deathmatch wrestling. Follow on Instagram at Vinyls and Violence. Follow on Twitter at Legalized Ranch, and that's Ranch with two H's. And buy the shirts from deathmatchworldwide.com. Vinyls and Violence. I'm pretty sure it's like some weirdo shit like Pokemon or something.